Yeah, I'm hesitant to hit record. Out here on a walk. When am I when am I ever hesitant to hit record? Yeah, but this is a diary. After all, this is a glorified diary. But man, I am I am not well. And uh, I didn't sleep last night. It was one of those nights where I've had more of these than I've ever really had before. Where it's not even insomnia. It's just simply I don't get tired. So I don't even try. I don't even get in bed. And I function. You know, I function throughout the day. And then I reach the night. And I, I'm just sort of in a fog. Not even as exhausted as I should be. But man... You know, I, I'm so distracted by bullshit. I, I'm not a... I'm not looking for sympathy from anybody. But I have reached this point, man, where... It's... It's... A rough road. It is a rough road right now. You know, because I was thinking about my, my mom and how, you know, I, I still don't feel very sad when I think about her. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm almost never hit with any spells of grief. And I'd be cool with that. It would actually be a relief, maybe, if I felt more of that. But as two years have passed, over two years... You know, this reality has just sort of set in. And it's been nothing but a dark, weird reality. And I certainly could make my circumstances better. I could have all along. And I don't want to look for excuses as to why I haven't. Because for the most part, I've felt okay. It's really only been recently that I haven't felt well. It's only been the last couple months, really, that I, I really don't feel well. And that's coincided with really the, the most isolation, both my own doing, but also just... Um, it really does seem like everybody's closed off. And to be honest, I don't even know what they're thinking. Maybe I should ask. But, you know, something that I keep coming back to is, you know, living through, you know, what happened with my mom and all that. Being the only family member to be in Olympia, being the only person to witness her passing, to be left with her stuff. And, you know, I've, I've only seen family twice, and it's been a long time now. I don't expect them to come down here or anything like that. I don't expect them to physically do anything. And they've, you know, certain family members have been helpful from afar. But it's also, you know, as time passes, I mean, just to just to put it into perspective, you know, it's something I, that I, I keep coming back to is how it's like, you know, my mom died and then Coronivi hit. And a lot of people were in situations like that. I'm not alone in that regard. 
a lot of people had something major going on that they were only coming to terms with. So I don't claim to be in a an exclusive club, but that said, I don't know anybody else who was in that situation. Not that, not my exact situation. And you know, when your loved one dies, a lot of people are engaged. They they talk to you. They wonder. They think about it. But coronavirus distracted everyone. People became very distracted for good reason. And they're still distracted by it. It still dominates people's minds whether they want to admit it or not. Their own situation, their own health. Maybe somebody they know died. I don't know. I don't know anybody who's in that situation. I don't know anybody who, who's lost anyone to that. I know some people who have had loved ones pass away for other reasons. And then the, the social and political tornado that has taken off. And we're, we're still seeing and feeling the impact of that. I mean, it still feels like it's going in some ways, which is why I get so preoccupied with that shit. But basically, like, you know, people, time passed, people got so caught up in other things that, you know, they, they just, um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really have my words right now. I'm, I'm running on such little sleep. I'm just trying to speak as honestly as possible. They move along in their own way. Even though everybody's still hung up on something. Even though most people that I am in contact with now don't feel great. They are kind of in their own little world. And you know, the, the world isn't always a sympathetic place. Or if it is sympathetic, you know, it's sympathetic when it wants to be. It's uh, sympathetic on a on its own timeline, and the reality is, I'm not looking for sympathy. But it is a difficult situation because sometimes I will kind of take a step back and be like, "Oh yeah, I am living." On one hand, you know, on one hand, I've been living in this weird form of Groundhog Day. But it's a fundamentally different reality than anything I've ever, I've ever known. And you know, my mom and I, had we, we had the kind of relationship where she would be one of the main people I would call if I just wanted to talk to somebody. If I just wanted a, a human connection, because she would pick up the phone. Even if I was in a bad mood. Even if I wasn't fun to talk with. And she was also interested. You know, she was interested in what was going on with me. And I like I liked hearing what she had to say. And so it, it's really only now that I'm realizing what it is to live in that reality. I don't feel grief. I don't feel some overwhelming sense of loss. But sometimes I'm just reminded, oh shit. 
that was a person that I talked to. That was a person who grounded me. And, you know, I've kept her phone, I've kept her cell phone alive, I guess you could say. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I don't call it. Like, it has her voice on the answering machine. And, you know, when she first died, I called it a number of times just to hear her voice. But it's not something I've done regularly. It's been a long time since I've called it to hear it. I don't even check it. You know, it has her email on there, and there's still some accounts and things that are connected to her email, so it's, if I need to use that, it's useful. But I haven't even looked at it in a while. I've just kept it around. I've just kept paying for it. But tonight I called it. That's why I'm kind of hesitant to say that, like maybe, you know, that's sacred or something. But, hey, you know, what I realized, you know, when, some, when you watch someone die, you realize that the rules as to what's sacred or what you can and can't talk about what you can and can't acknowledge, your little superstitions just really fall by the wayside. I mentioned that when she died, that all of my little superstitions, and I have many, just melted away. Life itself seemed like the only ritual necessary. Life was enough of a ritual as it is. Why make it any more superstitious? You know, going back to that, uh, going back to that quote that I like from Alan Watts, you know, you know, meditating so you don't have to meditate. That's what that felt like. There was no longer a need to ritualize anything. Because simply experience enough during that, say, two weeks after she died was enough of a ritual. Everything was enough. And that's a rare feeling. As a human being, as a fallen human being, that is a rare feeling. And I knew it wouldn't last. You know, I knew, even though it felt like enlightenment, whatever that means, that, let's say, a a two-week window felt like some form of enlightenment, but I knew it wouldn't last. I knew that wasn't a permanent state. I'll remember that state. I'll remember how that that felt. I'll remember what that was. And maybe I'll continue to get glimpses of that like I did then. But I knew it wasn't a permanent state, and, and it wasn't. You can't float forever. And even though I was grieving, I was also floating. It was a strange experience. I had a sensation almost. Felt a sensation. But anyway, what I was getting at, you know, was just, I was hesitant to even say, oh, I, I called my mom's phone tonight. Not, not because I'm ashamed at, about doing that on any level. I have no shame. I feel no shame about doing that. But just like maybe that's my own little private moment I shouldn't talk about. But the reality is this, this, is, this, this is the ritual. This is life. And you know, when her voice came on, uh, when her voice came on the the answering machine just a little bit ago, I just said to myself, "Wow, just wow." 
it was exactly what I needed to hear to remind me of what this all is. I know that's very general, but still, it was exactly what I needed to hear to remind me, I mean, one, what she sounded like, because her voice always sounded so young. People used to say that when I was a kid. They would say, my mom, her voice sounded like she was so young, and it stayed that way. You know, even when she was on her deathbed, you know, severely impacted by what was happening to her body, she still sounded very young. And hearing that answering machine, that's, that's one thing I noticed, is just that youth. The youth in her voice. And the life. I mean, I guess that's the same thing. But uh, the life in it. Like to hear a recording of my mom through a phone, like it, it's a it's a cell phone answering machine recording, a voicemail recording. That's what we call voicemail. And I'm listening to it through my phone. There's cars driving by. But it sounded so alive. I was taken aback. I just said to myself, wow. You know, that is something. To hear that. To feel it. To feel the life in that is so interesting. And it's been a weird experience. You know, the last 10 months, just, you know, sidetracking for a second. The last 10 months, like 10 months ago, the, the people who lived next to me moved out. And I, the rumor was that some guy in California bought it, but nobody ever moved in. After it sold, they took this for sale sign down. Well, and I have to say, too, it was a weird thing. Like, I, I remember talking about my neighbors on here, but it's like my neighbors were people who I knew that I didn't see eye to eye with. Like, they would, they would have signs on their house, and from some conversations with them, I knew that we didn't necessarily see the world the same way. We never had a bad interaction, but I could just tell. They were college students. I could tell what, what their politics were, all of that. But it didn't matter, you know, because we got along, and that's all that matters with neighbors, is you, you just get along. You could, have some, you could have a neighbor that you agree with about everything, and uh, they're the worst neighbor in the world. So what was important is that they were good neighbors. And uh, especially with Coronivai, you know, there was a while there during lockdown where... And those are some of the only people I saw. They were out on their porch smoking cigarettes. We'd say, hi, how you doing? That's important in that situation. But they moved out about 10 months ago. The house was sold and some guy reportedly bought it. But nobody ever moved in. And like the garage had been left just a crack open. And uh, it, nobody ever closed it after that. Like all winter long, the garage has just been cracked open. All these notices were on the door, like that they were turning the electricity off, I could tell. And no, nobody ever moved in, which is strange. I'm going to pause this for a sec. Alright, we're back. But yeah, nobody ever moved in, so it, it's been strange. The last ten months, it's just been this completely dark house. The garage slightly open. 
nobody's broken in, nobody's gone in, but it's, and it's strange, because on the other side of my house, it's kind of a green belt, so there's trees between me and the next house, and so it's been very dark. I've just kind of gotten used to that darkness. I've kind of gotten used to the fact that there's no life in the house next door. It's a completely dark house. It just sits there. And then on the other side, there's just, you know, there's a green belt. You can't even really see the next house. But tonight I was shocked because, I mean, I, I wondered, but I kind of gave up thinking about it. Like, I spent a few months being like, oh, is somebody going to move in? And I speculated. You know, you hear about BlackRock. You hear about these investment firms. They just buy houses and let them sit. They never rent them out. And so I was like, is this a BlackRock house? I've heard rumors about these things. I don't know how that works. I know people don't like it. You hear about these Chinese investment firms who buy property around the U.S. and just let it sit. They don't rent it out. And uh, I wondered if that was the case. But tonight I, I would... You know, went into my garage and I saw a light on. I know this is exciting. This is an exciting story. This is my world. But I saw a light on. And I knew the power had been shut off because, like, one of the notices on the door blew over to my yard and I saw that it was a, you know, a red notice from the power company saying, like, pay your bill or we'll shut it off. And so just the fact that the light was on at all means that somebody paid the bill. There's a car in the driveway. Man, this is exciting scary because that's the thing is like when somebody moves out who you've had a decent rapport with it's terrifying when you think you're like who's going to move in who's going to move in are they going to be the a neighbor from hell are they going to be cool you know you wonder about that it's like being in school where it's like who it's assigned seating. Who are they going to sit? Who, are, who, are, who am I going to sit next to in this class? Who am I going to live next to? My life. Their life. Yeah, you have your own house, but it's weird. It's really freaking weird to think about sometimes. You notice their habits. They notice your habits. But uh, seeing the light on, I was like, wow. Like I went up, I, you know, I went, I, I, I kind of crept and I just, I, I took a peek just to see if there was a human being in there. And, I, you know, I saw cleaning supplies. There's no furniture or anything. But yeah, there was a guy cleaning and he seems to be staying the night. So I'm like, is this guy, is the guy who bought this finally going to live there? Is he just cleaning it and then he's going to leave it again? I have no idea. But it's disruptive. You know, I'm a creature of habit. And I've gotten in the habit of simply having no neighbor. Simply having this dark building next to me. <laughs> so to be honest, it, it, it really jarred me. I know this sounds silly. But I, you know, when I get into a habit or I get used to something, it really jars me when that changes. And especially getting no sleep last night. Because I'm just, I'm in such a detached and surreal state. But, uh, yeah, who knows? I'll keep you updated. But that's a weird thing, too, because only two people have ever lived there. You know, my mom lived in my house before me. And, you know, she was close friends with a guy who lived there, an older gay man who died in that house. 
and then these, these young college students lived there after him. So very few people have lived there. And it's a weird feeling. Like, I, like I, I actually uh, wept a little bit when the last people moved out. Because change is big for me. And I wasn't even close to them. I wasn't like, I didn't have a close rapport with them. But I wept a little bit. And the reason I wept is because the thought crossed my mind that I'm going to weep again here. Uh, the thought crossed my mind when they moved out last April. I was like, those are the, that's the last person who will live there who knew my mom. Everybody who's lived in that house, you know, has, has uh, known my mom. So it, it was just a very strange thought. And that's how I think, you know? That's how I think. And, you know, I, I'm not feeling that now. Like, talking about it gets me going. But, you know, when, with, with this person showing up, it's just, it's just kind of weird. Like, it was somehow fitting that that house was just empty. It was somehow fitting. But yeah, even though I don't feel, like, stricken with grief, even though I don't feel like I, like I... I wouldn't describe what I'm feeling lately as sad. And I wouldn't even say that I'm thinking about my mom that much. But I, it, it has crossed my mind where I'm like, you know what? Like, I still have uh, some thinking to do. I still have some, you know, what they would call processing to do. I have to process this reality. And being in this state, not doing well. You know, my mom was absolutely a key part of my support system. I have good friends. I have people who are there for me. But it goes without saying, if you're close to your mom, that's a big part of your support system. And, and coming to terms with that reality, which I hadn't even thought of. You know, over the last couple of months of not feeling well, that didn't even actually cross my mind. At no point did I think, like, I want my mom. At no point did I even think that. I'm only now realizing that, oh yeah. That normally would have been part of what keeps me on track. And a lot of that was delayed for me. You know, a lot of that thinking, a lot of those sensations, I think, were delayed for me because there were so many other distractions. Like living in this coronavi world for all of 2020. Last year, that still being a part of things. All of the political insanity, protests, People, watching other people lose their minds <laughs> has been such a distraction. That, uh, you know, I, I really haven't completely come to terms with my new reality. And now that I am, now that I am having to come to terms with that, recognizing that, oh shit, 
everybody else has been so distracted by their own shit, so much time has passed. That now that I'm actually going through something related to that, on some level, now that I'm realizing that's a part of things, I'm really fucking isolated. So we'll see what I do. I gotta do something, and soon. Because this shit's not sustainable, it's not manageable. And I mean that just on a practical level. Like, I'm not even talking about the feelings I'm, I'm having or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, my lifestyle. I have way too many practical things I need to get ahead on. And I'm not ahead. I'm way behind. So I have a lot of real practical stress on my shoulders. I have very real burdens. Because in addition to, you know, not dealing with all this... There's a lot that I haven't dealt with related to my mom's situation. Because I couldn't really deal with it. And I'm sure I've made excuses. But just, you know, she, she left behind a lot of things. And selling some things on eBay, that's not the same as making real changes. That's not the same as dealing with an entire lifetime of someone's stuff. And that's where I've been completely alone. 100% alone in that regard. And I don't resent that, but it's just a fact. And I'm willing to take that on, just like I was willing to be the, you know, honored to be the lone person with my mom when she passed. I see it as a certain honor that I'm also the one to deal with her things, to deal with her life. But I've waited so long, I, I, you know, I've drawn it out. And, you know, it, it only gets more stressful. The burden only increases, you know. But enough about that. I'll figure that out. What I can say is it's fucking crazy when you hear your mom's voice for the first time in a long time. It might have been a year since I called that phone. It very well might have been a year. I don't remember calling it any time that, that recently. Certainly not when I'm feeling like this. And it was good. But I gotta say, it's a weird experience, you know, and this was true right when she died, and it's true now. But when you go to that, that name in your phone book, and it says mom cell it says mom cell and you used to call that and she would pick up it's weird when it just rings it's weird to call somebody's phone over two years after they died and to realize you know oh you know it, it's not just that they, they won't pick up because they're busy Nobody's going to pick up. I'm going to go home, and if I look at that phone, it's going to say, you know, three missed calls or whatever. 
and they're all going to be for me. But it's, it's a strange feeling to hit call on that name and to, to have it ring. And to know full well. And, it, and it's not a, you know, it's not as bad as I'm making it sound. I'm not trying to make it sound bad. It's simply a different reality. It's almost mind-bending. And I think it's made that much stranger tonight because I haven't called it in a long time. It's not something I call every week for support. But then the interesting thing about that is that you call it and it rings until it reaches voicemail and then you do hear that person. You do hear her voice and it sounds like her. And she sounds younger than ever. She sounds more alive than ever. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it, it is. It's amazing. It, it's almost, it's like ecstasy. And it's amazing, too, to know that, yeah, I'm going to go home. There's going to be a phone on the counter that I called. And it's, it's just some object that's sitting there. But I'm going to go home and there's, you know, my dog's going to be there. My wonderful dog. There's life in that house waiting for me. And uh, that's, you know, what I have. <laughs>